Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Hey, you know, you got to ask, but thank you for joining me on the Paula Price Show this Thursday on Blog Talk Radio. We're grateful to you and grateful to God for our show. We've been having a blast. Now, before we get started, we're going to have Prophet Ashton tell us about the next class that she's got. Is it up yet? (laughs) She's been the warrior behind the scenes fighting to get these classes up and bringing information to you in the media realm. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's going to be the one. You know, she's going to dig up a class mm-hmm. from, you know, 1932 that I did. She's going to fix it. <laughs> 1932. She's right. going she's gonna to fix it up for us. But our last class, Prophetic Guardianship, was such a success, we decided to move up the time that we were at the second one. So, Prophet Ashley, tell us what you have, because from what I heard, it's pretty exciting. Yes, we have uh, Prophetic Guardianship is open again on the 12th. February 12th. Uh-huh. And then we have um, uh, the Praying Governmental Prayers. What made you think of that, Prophet Ashley? Well, people always want to know from you about the prophetic and about prayer. And so we thought we'd start there because um, – so there's so much information about the subject, yet people still don't seem to be able to break through in those areas. Yeah, and then, you know, how about this? And then governmental prayers versus devotional prayers mm-hmm. versus, you know, um, congregational prayers. Because prayers all, you know, we kind of treat it all in a lump sum, you know. And so that's part of it. The governmental piece, it's about starting with your self-government, governing your world and your house, and then moving into other government. A lot of people want to go and pray for governments, and your own house is out of order. So you're not going to do that. You know, Satan's not going to cast out Satan. So tell us how to get the... You can go to your website, drpaulaaprice.com, and uh, on the home page, there's the option to click there, and it'll take you <laughs> to a <laughs> role in the classes. Four-week session. Wonderful. Certificate. Mm-hmm. Powerful. Yeah. So since she does it, I always like her to go ahead and tell us what we did. As you can see, Prophet Ashley has now picked up the cold baton. And so we're praying for her. Guys, pray for us because this thing is really running around the office. And it's, it has a kind of slightly boomerang effect. So we do need, we, we cover the prayers of the saints. So get the course so you can pray for us and pray it the way we need you to pray it. <laughs> That's right. Get the course to pray. Well, we've been having a blast here. Uh, yesterday I did a shoot for the next four shows. I'd love to hear your feedback on the first show. Don't forget Sunday mornings at 7.30 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. if you're in the Tulsa area. You definitely want to tune in to 
the Channel 47, what is it, KWHB, I always slip them, KWHB, Channel 47, so that you can join the Paula Price Show. Can I tell you what this week is? I wish I could. I don't know. But in any way, it'll happen, and you'll love it. We've, been, we've got the first one. We just got our next eight shows out. I want to stop and take a moment right now and thank those of you who sold into my media budget. I thank you for helping us, you know, go a little further. But I do need you to do so. Again, I want to get regular partners. If you feel like this is something, after you've seen it, you feel like this is something that you can get behind and that you can definitely bless God for and finance, please do it. When you go to my Facebook, uh, my Facebook, I don't think it's on Facebook, probably should be. But when you go to my website, just hit count me in. And, and we're using all of the money for media. As you can see, it's a pretty nice production um, um, a presentation. You know, we've, we've done our best with the budget we have, and it's a, a shoestring budget. But we've done our best with the budget that we have, hoping to get more. You will be a part of upgrading it. If, you know, as we upgrade, you'll be a part of it. So we need you to sell. We want you to sell whatever you have. But those of you who are in a, in a position to really be a supporter of the program, for buying airtime and also for future productions, please go to our site. Uh, probably by next week, I'm going to give you an, an explanation of what we're doing, what we need it for, how it's going to work. So when you hit the site, this reel will pop up. And I'll talk to you about that in depth and at length. We've got wonderful responses for the first show, even mm -hmm. though we had a couple of techno glitches. Wonderful responses. So I am looking forward to it. Now, as you know, in order for you to find out when it's going live, you must sign up on my YouTube. You must subscribe to my YouTube. Make sure you do that. Some of you have. We've gotten some numbers from last week to this week. We've gotten some folks. But make sure you do so so that you're there and also so that you can share it. You know, you want to share it. Share, share, share. Many of you have said, oh, the whole world needs to hear this. Oh, other people need to hear this. Mm -hmm. Many of you have said that. Mm -hmm. Now it's your time to do it. And it's the YouTube where you're taking it taking off. Taking it off, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. Go to the YouTube that says Taking It Off with Paula Price. Write that down so you don't get confused. Taking It Off with Paula Price. And we took it on. We've been taking on some good subjects. Oh, my, my. I'm Ooh. excited. Yesterday we really went there, though, didn't we? Ah. ah, we did. We had to go handle some church stuff. Oh, I love that. And saint stuff. Mm -hmm. And world stuff. And things that people uh, always want to know. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't know how to ask or even if they should ask, mm -hmm. but they certainly want to know. We do. So, and, and you don't even know that it bothers you. It's like something that's in your spirit mm -hmm. and you don't know. This young lady to my right, hallelujah, is Chief Prophet Tyler Price, my, uh, my youngest daughter. Yes. And my buddy. And partner, colleague, in ministry. Well, I never thought I'd be able to say that, but this is great. Mm -hmm. So, before we get started on what else we're going to discuss today, I want you to share, share, and and, and tell your friends we're on now. You know, if you know, we're following her. You know that she has this book club for before the garden, before the garden, where you get to discuss various things on my book, before the garden, God's eternal continuum. If you want to get the book, you can definitely do so by going to drpaulaprice.com. But it's also on Amazon, and I, don't, I, I only they know where else. I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, my books get around. Yeah. And so, but definitely you can get it from drpaulaprice.com or Amazon. I don't know if we're yet in Kindle. We need to push that. 
uh, for Before the Garden? I think so. I think we are. They tend to throw me into Kindle. Yeah. So that if you wanted to get it like ASAP, you can go in there. So check that out to see. So, Chief, you have been on this journey for I don't even know how long. A while. Mm Because somebody decided to give us, you know, um, revelations, okay, from heaven, all right, from the divine world that are uh, replete with uh, information, education, enlightenment, de- training, development, uh, insight, uh, understanding. It just, it, it, it covers a, I mean, just an array mm-hmm. of things that we didn't even know we needed to know as believers. About Jesus Christ. Okay. Just the, just just, the author. Just the author. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so we've been having such a, a, a church experience for so long that it took, you know, before the garden kind of coming and jolting us awake and realizing how much we know about church but not about our Savior. Exactly. And I, which I know was one of the heartbeats of why you wrote the book. And it's been an amazing journey because what I hear all the time is how much people are getting to know the God they serve, the God that they've been just taking mm-hmm. by faith mm-hmm. on Sunday morning. And you have to. Yes. You know, one of the things that made me write this book was that God kept saying, do you want to know the heart or the root of the controversy that, uh, that surrounds me and my ministry and my salvation and my saviorship and all of that? And I told him, yes. He said, the fact is, it's very human, it's very earthly, it's very worldly because it's locked into his three-and-a-half-year ministry on the planet. People act as if when Jesus left, mm-hmm. It ended. Mm-hmm. So we have to just use these, these snatches of scripture and scrolls and Karanar to build it up and to ignore the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is Christ. So we have that. But, you know, she's my chief prophet, and I threw it in head first. Yes. And she swam. You know, if you're going to run with me, you're going in head first. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, you're going in head first. Make sure you put on your helmet of salvation. Because you're going in head first, okay? And you're gonna and you're gonna need some floating. Mm-hmm. And so she's been doing this a little bit over. Well, well, I'll let her tell it briefly. But she's been because I threw her in, and she had to dig it out. She had to dig it out and dig herself up for, up for herself. Well, I think it's only fair that we fell into it because I encouraged her to write the book based on a sermon. So. You know, I said, this is something to say. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went from a Sunday morning Easter sermon to this, you know, treatment yeah, and dissertation we have here. Oh, I was hoping because uh, it opened up, right? Uh, Prophet Ashley shakes her head a bit because she's like, we were all hoping. You know, and you opened up Pandora's box and uh, listening to the sermons were great and going back and grasping the information is great, but having it, you know, pinned like this um, and with uh, such um, not even just uh, – uh, quality writing and scholarship, but order and organization. Like there's a thought line. You didn't give us a thought. Mm-hmm. You gave us a thought process, a thought line mm-hmm. that we can follow. And a so body can, of thought. Yeah, and a body, right, a, a, a body of knowledge, mm-hmm. really, okay, that we can now use to understand all of these things that um, are, are have been hidden and woven throughout Scripture that we've often skipped over, okay, about our God and about his world that we can now look at and have a systematic way of studying uh, every day. I think Before the Garden is something that you need to read every day. Quite a few people have read the entire book several times over, and still, like the Bible, you can walk away and get a new revelation. Well, I wrote it, and when I go back and read it, I was like, wow, that's really, (laughs) gee you you were talking, it was great, you know? And so we've been going through this book 
for a while. Now, what makes it so interesting is that the Bible says in Ephesians 3, 5, and 10 that God reveals his mysteries to apostles and prophets. His, but, but we always say apostles and prophets. We never add the adjective holy. Right. He said to his holy apostles and prophets. Because there are a lot of apostles and prophets that are bright, smart, whatever, but they're so entwined in the world and they're so saturated with culture, God can't get a thought off. Right. You know, he couldn't get a single mystery off with them because they're going to tell him how this one wrote it and how this one did it and they're going to walk down the line of their theological teachings mm-hmm. and all of the commentaries they've read. I was actually going for a commentary right. for apostles and prophets because I felt when I read the commentaries, most of them were for evangelists and disciples mm-hmm. and pastors and teachers, but there was no commentary from the mystery banks of God. See, God has a whole mystery bank, a bank of mysteries, if you will, that he has sealed in his archives for those who will hear him. Because people, most writings and most commentaries are going to come from what the last guy said and the last, which it should, there needs to be a building on foundation, Mm -hmm. but there's none for apostles and prophets. There is no commentary for that. Now, I've read people who write, write things, most evangelical apostles and prophets are their writings. I won't know what they think. I can't speak to that. But most of their writings are, A, devotional, B, testimonial. This is how God did it with me. This is what happened with me. C, very charismatic, meaning my gift. It's all about the gift. I think it's difficult. And then the last one, very personal very subjective, very biased because it's based on their experiences. Mm -hmm. None of those are going to give you that distance you need from the author to formulate thoughts and to formulate ideas that are independent of you as the writer. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So most times what you're reading about apostleship is so saturated and drenched with with the writer's the apostolic writers or the prophetic writers' experience and and mm-hmm. objectives and ministries and missions and carrying off, you still you get lost. So you're you're drawn into their soul and not the soul of the Almighty. Mhm. Mhm. Good. So in our in our class in our course, um, apostolic prophetic Bible education, mm-hmm. we make a big deal about we distance ourselves. We are you know people say they're scribes but they're not scribes. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're recallers because a scribe does not include his or herself in the writing. Mm-hmm. A scribe, the synonym for scribe, the secretary. How would you like to be dictating to your secretary and they start telling you what they did yesterday, what they ate for some supper, and how they had this flash thought on the way to work? But that's how that's how they write, which is why we can't get consensus because because experiences are individualized. So we, we, we can't get a consensus on apostolic and prophetic. We cannot get a standard. We can't get uniformity. We can't get continuity or any of those kinds of things because the, author, the writers are imposing themselves on God's record. Mm-hmm. There's something is mm-hmm. So when, I, when God asked me, why do you think this is? He said because they have with one voice, one thought, one mind, confined the totality of me, 
their Savior into that three and a half years. Nobody knows what Jesus did before he incarnated. Nobody really wants to tell us what happened afterwards if you don't want to deal with the Holy Spirit. Most people don't want to deal with the Holy Spirit. That kind of pervasiveness, that kind of omnipresence, omniscience is a little unnerving to some people. So they don't want to deal with that. But if you are going to be a scribe for Jesus Christ, take you out of it. You may, you may share Oh, you know, I'm giving a little writing class. Yes, you are. You may share your journey in terms of what prompted you to do it, but it should not be an experiential treatise on what you and God did in your prayer closet when you were falling, when you were this and that. Mm-hmm. Examples are great if you want to use that, but that's another kind of writing. But you cannot be a good scribe if you are laced throughout everything you write about Jesus Christ. And when I read it, it's about what happened to me in Fiji, how I did this, when I went through that. See, that's case analysis. Those are situations that you're sharing. But that is not an anthology. That is not scribal. If somebody says, I need you to write something mm-hmm. on somebody, that you, you are not to put your – you can't even do it with, an autobi- uh, with a biography. Yeah. You can't do it. You have to stay on it. God's biography is saturated with humanity and with ministers' experiences. Are you, are, are you getting this? I mean, is this speaking to any of you? So when you read it, it's just one devotional after another, one experiential uh, uh, revelation or, or dissertation after another, but not about God. And so you can, nothing's threaded. Because what, what made, oh, holla, I need a cloth. What made the Bible what it is is that all of those writers, mm-hmm. even though they shared their experiences, they were 100% contiguous with what God has been saying from in the beginning God. They wrote God's story, God's way. And so they wrote God's experience with his humanity, God's pre-carnate life and existence, God's world since before this one was made. But all of them fit. Today, these people don't fit because we don't have a common theology. We don't have a common doctrine because everything is individualized. Is what, well, and you can hear, well, what God said to me, what God told me, I, I write in third person on purpose. Do I? Do I? I write independently. Yeah, it's a rarity that you include your own personal experience. Because I'm a real scribe. Mm-hmm. And I want you to know my real author. Because mm-hmm. a scribe is just to help. You know, your experience doesn't matter. It just, it's just to help. And so I don't write. You don't hear me tell you. When you read my stuff, you get pure information about God. So this book was written to be God's memoirs. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. I was looking for my God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This book was meant to be God's memoirs, not ours, not our experience. This is not your digest, the digest of apostolic prophetic ministries. Right. Volume one. Exactly. And so I think that part of what that is, so I wanted to do commentaries. I wanted to give a commentary, a thesis, on God's world before the garden. What was life like for God in his world? Right. And so when you talk about that, that uh, Resurrection Sunday, when you talk about that Resurrection Sunday, mm-hmm. you, ha- you always, the one that triggered it, it was because I came, God walked me through the 14 events that brought Christ and Christianity to the planet. Mm-hmm. 
And that's somewhere in the middle of the book somewhere, isn't it? Yes, chapter five. Chapter five, because you know she knows. Mm-hmm. And so, but I wanted everybody to understand God's story, God's way, and to bring the Bible back online in the heart of the Christian, in sermons, in churches, in Bible studies, in colleges and universities. Because, you know, those, all of those institutions virtually in the 21st century took the Bible, took Scripture offline. So you can read about all of the men. I remember someone saying to me, how are you going to teach people about Christology and they don't know about church? Because the church wasn't born when Christ was. See, it's not a hard thing, but we've got caught up because the church has usurped and upstaged its founder. So people hear more about church history, church fathers, Nicene fathers, apostolic fathers, father, father, fathers. Okay, I'm, I'm blessed. I was, I, was going, I was going there. And they don't know anything about the God and Father of their Lord Jesus Christ. They don't know why things are the way they are. They don't know that there is a continuum that God has been working on and working within and inserting future ministers in from the beginning, from before time began. There was a continuum. God has a continuum. Prophecy that it can be proved errant because it's outside of the continuum. Mm-hmm. Doctrine can be mm-hmm. proved heretical because it's outside of the continuum. So when, when when God says that this is heretical, He's not talking about well, this is heretical because I don't like it. You're hurting my feelings. I don't really appreciate how you present it, or even that it's distorted. He's saying it's outside of the continuum, so it's not my doctrine. It's outside of the continuum, so it's not my promise, my prophecies, my provisions, because the continuum has been running since God's world, and it's going to end when Jesus turns everything over to his Father. But there is a continuum of thought, body of thought, that originated in eternity, is fulfilling itself and embodying itself on earth, and will end when we get to eternity again. So from eternity to eternity, there's a continuum that is held together by links called everlasting. Mm-hmm. See, Earth's version of the continuum is not so much eternal as it is everlasting. Mm-hmm. Now, making these points so that when we get in our discussion, you'll have some sort of framework. If you don't have this book, again, it's called Before the Garden, God's Eternal Continuum. When I measure prophecy for people to say, well, how do you say that's not God? It's outside the continuum. Mm-hmm. But you don't know that because the continuum you're running on is your continuous revelation from the inside of your soul, which might or might not be right. I could tell you when doctrine is false because it's outside of the continuum. And so this is important. I think it's important that we understand that. So having laid that foundation, I'll wrap it up on this thought. My goal was to provide apostles and prophets a way to do what they're supposed to do, inspect doctrine. Reveal and confirm mysteries. Affirm the gospel. Affirm the preachers of the gospel. Teach the truth. Manifest and reveal God as he is, not as as church and doctrine and theology made it. And most importantly, present the true Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. That's what our goal is. That's our job. We never even sat down to figure out our job. We just started, we just slapped the label, went over there, got a little label maker, slapped that thing, threw it on our chest. We're not apostles. Never took time to find out what it is. That's why we ended up with weird doctrine about apostleship. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, weird. And doctrine is so weird, it had, Jesus has no place in it. I knew that doctrine was wrong, and I knew when a lot of that stuff was preached in the, you know, the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, I thought that's wrong because there's no place for Jesus in it. Mm. I said, hit it. Because she's like, don't be hitting me. <laughs> Did that land on you? See, if there's no place for Jesus in that thing, then it's outside the continuum. Mm-hmm. And that's how we know. That's why God said we, we are saved by the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We're born again by the incorruptible seed of Christ. We are free by the, the, the knowledge of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. All of those things, oh, help me, Jesus. Mm-hmm. All of those things are measurements and assessments of, of, of Jesus Christ. It's, um, it's almost like knowing the person is to know his thoughts. To know his thoughts is to know his will. To know his will is to know his way. To know his way is to perform his work. It's a, it, it, and it is a cascading kind of thing. So when I say that, people ask me, well, what makes you right? You don't talk about Jesus. You don't even mention the guy. And he started it. Okay. Mm-hmm. How is it that you don't mention the guy who started it? That's right. Okay, you don't mention Jesus. We go there. We don't, Jesus doesn't get an honorable mention. It's about, well, the Holy Spirit said to me, and my spirit said, and my Noah said, and my this, and it's not about Jesus. That's a poor representation of the Almighty. We're sent to represent he who sits on the throne of creation. Mm-hmm. But we don't know how to do that if there's no documentation of what he's like and who he is. And there's no precarnate record that we are to follow. I'm just going crazy no, on it. She needs a pen. She's going crazy over here. Please give her a pen. <laughs> right. <laughs> she is dying. She is so dying without a pen. You know, she has to have that. Yeah. You know, all of them. They 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 start with a pen with me, and then they don't end. That's right. That's it. That's it. I wanted to make a note about something you said. Mm-hmm. So I want you to know that as we start addressing this, I know I don't have to have a whole lot of other um contemporary or trending um, uh, impositions on this, not even culture. This is accurate because this is not me. And I know it's not me because it may be my writing style, it may be the language that I put together, but the substance and the content came from the Lord Jesus Christ. I understand Paul's work, how he had made known to me. Mm-hmm. See, because Jesus wants to be known. But, and he also wants to be followed, and he wants to be trusted, and he wants to be loved and served correctly. And we can't do that if we keep do, th- doing his thinking for him mm-hmm. and shaping what we think he is according to our actions and preferences. That cannot happen. So as we go forward, tell us a little bit about what you've been doing with Before the Garden, and then lead us into what we're going to discuss today. Okay, yes. Um, We are on Chapter 9, and a lot of our Before the Garden people out there will appreciate this today. We've been in Chapter 9 talking about the pre-carnate Jesus and the Old Testament prophets and their role and why their principal characters, because at this juncture in the book we're going through all the principal characters of the continuum. Uh, each person that was involved in or making a contribution mm-hmm. in its advancement, progress, or purpose, mm-hmm. or cause, mm-hmm. okay, the cause for it. 
So we got all of that in there. So we're, t- we're talking about that, and I think that this chapter is so important um, because of a lot of what you outlined today just in the opening, but it's so important because of where we are in our understanding of modern-day prophetic mm. and contemporary prophetic. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like the fact that you the, the phrase here, the optimum word in Chapter 9 being pre-carnate. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that you introduced that whole uh, reality of Jesus' testimony, that aspect of it that was missing. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like that we are prophesying in error or have a very limited view of how we should even function in mm-hmm. contemporary times because of cutting off mm-hmm. the full spectrum of the testimony. Exactly. Well, you know, exactly. So recognizing that Jesus' testimony starts before then. So as a result, the pre-carnate establishes the validity of Old Testament prophetic, not just the prophets that lived then but the actual, what we, you, you have dubbed mm-hmm. over the years as the institution. Exactly. And what we're having problems with today, which is why I think this chapter is so important and how you run it down biblically, and you show how in the New Testament mm-hmm. God validates the work of the Old Testament prophets yes, does. and doesn't necessarily end it but fulfill it. Fulfill it. Because we think that Jeremiah's work is ended, mm-hmm. so we as New Testament prophets don't have a need for Jeremiah or his words because that has been ended, mm-hmm. that's over but you show those correlations throughout the entire chapter. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that it makes a great um, uh, plug, if you will, or uh, treatment of institutional prophetic, Why, mm-hmm. how the prophetic is an institution mm-hmm. and how that institution dates back. Many people are struggling in modern-day prophetic, which on, I've discovered. On, okay, they're mm-hmm. struggling with this whole idea of what you said, and I think that we should speak on it, personal experience versus the institution. Because of how the prophetic was introduced as this sideshow mm-hmm. pa- running parallel, para to the mm-hmm. uh, the official church, mm-hmm. everything has been about just the personal experience and their personal encounter with God. So that has become the, the baseline, okay, of validity, mm-hmm. the, the only thing that substantiates one in the prophetic. When we start bringing them into wanting to learn mm-hmm. or even why they don't think they need to learn as modern-day prophets or be trained is because, there is, they don't understand the institution. In their mind, there is no institution. It's just their experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that what this chapter addresses um, is the entire, I mean, you go all the way to Balaam, mm-hmm. okay? You go all the way to Balaam. You deal with the, the Old Testament, New Testament connection. You deal with the gaps in there to literally show that, it, that the prophetic is not about your present-day encounter, that just because you just became a prophet today, that the, that the prophetic is not new. It's mm-hmm. not, okay, because it's new to you, because it's being introduced to you, that all of this that's going on in your life is not new, and it's not rare, and it's not unique. Mm-hmm. Most people start falling in love with that personal experience to the point that it becomes a, a, a measure of, a, okay, a point of almost idolatry. Well, it is idolatry. Okay, where they begin to idolize those spiritual experiences and excursions to the point that they want to do away with, nullify, destroy, or even discredit the previous institution that Mm -hmm. you talk about in Chapter 9. And so what I'd like for them to, you asked me what it is that we want to discuss today, I'd love for you to highlight the difference between situational prophetic, because there is a place for your your experience with God, Mm -hmm. those real-time rhema moments that you have with them, uh, and the institution, and how they are supposed to complement one another, dovetail, and ground what we're doing as modern-day contemporary prophets, okay, as opposed to make us... um, uh, 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 so different that we are literally mm-hmm. oppositional 
mm-hmm. to the foundation mm-hmm. of what makes us profits today. Absolutely. Um, I had a person, I had someone share with me mm-hmm. that um, they were in a discussion with them talking about why they needed prophetic training, why they needed development to bring them out of the personal experience, that private devotion, into the institution. And they said they utterly disdained the notion of being compared to Jeremiah to Daniel, to all of the former prophets, because they are a contemporary prophet, and they have no place, okay, they have no place in what they're doing in contemporary prophetics, because God's doing something new, and they have their own ministry. So how can we round this out? Because I think the chapter, talking about Jesus's pre-carnate existence, is a clue. Mm-hmm. Of why we're missing it as contemporary prophets, because we're still dealing as prophets today with that same Jesus, mm-hmm. not two different Jesus. No, it's the same Jesus. He's just in different form. In other words, we're dealing with the became flesh, mortal, mortalized Jesus, as opposed to the eternal, sovereign Jesus Christ and Yahweh, who literally pulled Israel out of Egypt, according mm-hmm. to His Word. Now, the first question, the first thing I'd like to talk about is what you asked. Situational prophetics is sometimes called spontaneous. Mm-hmm. It's in the moment. God is giving you that. But that's, that's almost like just let me send a message to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're sitting now talking. I'm just giving you some advice mm-hmm. or some information. So that's not the institution. And anybody can do that. That's the Holy Spirit catching someone up. Mm-hmm. Saying, you know what, since you're in, right now you're what I have on hand, I need you to address this. Mm-hmm. And so that's one thing. That's the, the good side of that is that everybody anywhere can hear from God, no matter what anybody anywhere can hear from God. You know? But we're talking about now discharging an office in an institution. Just take yourself to where you are. Many of you right now are watching us at work. And you have an office that you're sitting in right now. Mm-hmm. And your office has job descriptions, duty descriptions, daily tasks, assignments, and resources for you to get the job done. Well, it's no different than God. Now, you did not get that job because you came in carrying the computer, the desk, the lights, mm-hmm. the files. You got that job because you brought in the potential to work them and to use them to help your institution achieve its purposes, hence the office piece. Now, if you're one of those, those prophets who like that five-show ministry, and I really pray that pastors stop letting these come into their church, churches because it's you who understand, should understand. But these five-show ministries where prophecy is given out as party favors, well, it is. It's like, okay, or either prophecy is given out as an incentive to give, you know, seed sowing incentive. And I'm not, I mean, if you, if, sometimes there is a prophecy attached to that. But if that is the fullness of your ministry, you're not dealing with the officer. I don't care how many times they tell you they're officer. You cannot be an officer when you have no place to land. You don't have a place. And the prophets, unlike the pastors, the prophets are outside the church because they're kingdom or ought to be. But every kingdom has roads. Every kingdom has mystics. Every kingdom has usurpers. Every kingdom has interlopers. Those are real. And you need to understand the signs of each one. So the pastors, I think every pastor should have some sort of backstory knowledge 
in the prophetic to preserve their flock and also to screen and interview those prophets that they would bring in. I don't think you should, I mean, you don't go to a doctor too much without checking them out. I mean, we need to know that there's a real doctor. Now, when, and, and the reason that you can, those of us who do take chances to do that, the reason that you can has to do with a, the peace you have in knowing that there is an independent body that regulates doctors' entrance into the field, performance, and also handles complaints. Well, we don't have that yet. And what we have is a lot of prophetic networks that want us to think that's what it is, but that's not it. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're just PlayStation. And so we just, you know, I come, I hand my card, I tell my story, you tell your story. It's kind of like really dramatic. But there are some networks that are working toward that end. And for you, I applaud. I applaud you. And if I can be a help to you, call me. But the idea of prophecy upstaging the prophet's office is a, is a problem. That's, that's a problem. Because the prophet's office is more than saying. You may use your voice all day long to do your job. You know? Because you do. You answer the phones. You hand out information. You resolve issues. But your job is not just talking. And the talking that you do has intent that are tied to your position and anchored to the office. For example, you start saying the wrong thing, you're out the office. You start giving misinformation on the phone, and they're going to say thank you, but no thank you. And so those kinds of examples are used to let you know that the office has not been opened because it's not in place. I'll tell you why it's not open, because the office is tied to the institution called the kingdom of Christ, which is tied to the eternal continuum of everything that Christ says and what he streams into the planet. So the prophet's office has not been officially open in mass because when you have an institution, there is accountability, and it all goes back to the same point of origin. Yes. So accountability, duties, responsibility, mm-hmm. evaluations, disciplines, education, training, they all fill into the fold back to the point of origin in that office, in that origin's originating document originating communications, original structure. See, that's, what, that's how it works. We don't want it to work that way as prophets because people just want to get money. It's like a smashing grab. We got a whole lot of uh, prophecy looters. You know, we're just looting, looting the office. That's why you all are angry. That's why you don't want to give. You don't want to give because you got looted. You got looted with a false prophecy. And a lot of them with young kids that don't even have enough life to even fake it well. It's been a looting, loitering experience. And so when God comes out for the new thing, he's got to all but twist your arms and say, hey, this is me. Trust it. When God wanted the uh, people of Jesus' time to trust him, he spoke it. He said, this is my beloved son. Hear him. And we, we give that word out like, wow, that was, boy, that was deep. And we are so caught up in the supernatural phenomena of God speaking from heaven that we don't realize why he did it. He had to do it because there were literally an endless stream of false prophets, errant prophets, heretical prophets, mm-hmm. teachers, and, and, and the like, priests, running around. And so he had to tell them, I know that you all have been inundated with the false, but this is the truth. I'm backing this. You'll trust me by the signs and wonders I work at his hands. This is my son. This is my offspring. This is my very being. This is my blood. 
So when we think about the institution and we think about the prophetic, it has not been offered. I, I can't even tell you how many folks tell me, oh, no, but I just, but let me tell you something. I got this thing sold up. Yes, you do. And I don't say it to boast on myself. I can say God packaged this thing in me. And I can ask you all the questions that will do it, that will get it done. I will ask you, I will go into scenarios just like Jesus did. Well, if, well, if David, well, how is David his son? Mm-hmm. See, that true prophets can go back into the continuum, get that data, and refute false prophetic. But you need the institution. See, Jesus comes as the institution. The apostles came for the institution of the royal realm of Jesus Christ, the royal realm of God Almighty. The prophets came as royal correspondents of the king. Come on, somebody. Royal correspondents of the king. And so as we go on and we continue to press into this, there's a lot of work to be done. I really wish it could go faster, but we have to get people who want to be correct. You know, folks, a true minister, a true prophet, it doesn't make a difference. The idea of being incorrect bothers you. The fact that these young folks roaming around and whatnot are running off of their own imaginations, their vain imaginations, and the doctrines of devils and subducing spirits and commandments of men means that they don't want to get it correct because if they wanted to get it correct, they come to you correct. And they don't come correct. So moving on to answer the last of this, the prophetic, the prophetic did not begin on earth, and it did not begin with the church. We have to break this, this notion that everything in the Bible is about the church. It is not. The prophets began as national correspondents, national communicators, communication, communicators of the nation or to the nations from its founding God. And they literally, which is why you need to pair, they literally took their authority from the sitting monarchs on the throne. Everything Old Testament, for all of this, I'm not an Old Testament prophet or whatever, you certainly aren't. Because you serve congregation, they serve the whole nation. Mm-hmm. So you're right. You're not a, an Old Testament prophet, which is why you don't do what Daniel did. You don't do what Ezekiel did, which is why God doesn't step to you like he did with Isaiah. Because you are not. Because that God did in handling a nation, not a congregation, not a prophetic gathering. Hallelujah. Are they following me, Norm? So you, I mean, you go to these prophetic gatherings and you get all excited, and then you should because we need them. We need it to come from the throne of Jesus Christ down to your apartment. Your apartment. We need it because we all need to hear from God, okay? But the person who handles the nation is too big for your apartment. And the person who handles the apartment is not big enough for the nation, the nation of Jesus Christ. See, the early church did not have congregation. They were the literal nation or naturalist or what is it called, a nationalist of Jesus Christ, natives of the eternal realm of God. So part of what you're learning is off simply because you're misapplying it anyway. Now, granted, these, those examples in the Old Testament are meant for that. They really are. They're meant to be examples. They're meant to be instructions. They're meant to be a guide, illustration, scenarios, and all we go. But in the end, it was never, the prophetic did not start out with a congregation. 
It didn't start out with you roaming. Now, the, a lot of the other ones did. Mm-hmm. You know, they had a problem with the dervishes running around screaming, acting crazy. You all need to look up the dervishes. You're going to find out a lot of y'all act like dervishes. <laughs> running around screaming. <laughs> it's the truth. See, you got to have it all. You have to have that front story, that back story, and that mid story. You have to have it. So when you think about the whole thing, we are handling this wrongly. You're right, because you're trying to be a New Testament prophet. There's no such thing as a New Testament prophet being different from the Old Testament, because the prophets that started were still there operating on their national framework and their national um, construct. We're we're representing the head of the nation, the head of state. Mm -hmm. We're delivering to the head of state, and every nation has them, everyone. We're representing the head of state. We are the head of state has let us know this is what he wants to do or this is what he needs to know. So we need to draw from this, from all of the spiritual uh, uh, representations, beings, climate, structure, concepts in his world, what he needs or what she needs to, to, enter, to go into this campaign, to enter into this venture. Mm-hmm. That's, very, that's what's so important. So we can go on, but I think I made the point. Yeah, I think you did. I think you hit on a couple things that uh, the question is often posed to us, especially when you're taking the assessments and we make the distinction between assessing people according to the office requirements and standards and not just the practices or expression of a gifting. Um, The question often comes up, well, what is, you know, the institution? And I think that you hit on something that was very key and, and you show some of the key components of that here. Uh, in uh, before the Garden Chapter 9, the point of origin. Mm-hmm. The institution is defined by the point of origin, where what you now have the privilege to express and engage in began. Awesome. Okay? It started with a point of origin. And you said something very powerful about the point of origin not beginning on earth. Because we are, and you say it in the assessment, don't compare yourself mm-hmm. to the you know, the, the earthly expression mm-hmm. uh, or, 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 of the prophetic or I was going to say antics, and I was trying to mm-hmm. clean it up, mm-hmm. but you, you get my point. Well, there's some expression. And, and then there's some, some antics, okay? So, but according to the earthly prophetic expressions that have become common to the culture uh, of the day, but being able to trace what you do and the authenticity of what you do back to the origin so you can make sure also that you're working for the right God. Mm-hmm. When you first getting opened up into this thing, you have to take it back to that point of origin. Which starts in, on your channel. Which you said starts in heaven. We know that the first prophets were the angels. That was outlined in Chapter 3. Okay, you're moving that forward today to how God took this uh, heavenly and divine institution mm-hmm. and began the process of revealing it, okay, or re- uh, uh, releasing it to earth, mm-hmm. bringing it into the planet, mm-hmm. okay? So it's important that we know how God began the process of bringing this whole practice or whole, exp- I don't want to just narrow it down to expression, just a whole institution uh-huh. into the planet, because it is a divine institution yeah. into the planet. So how did he begin to do that? Well, in Chapter 9, you say it started off with some key things. We know that it started off with Abel. We know it went into the priesthood. But then we have just here on page 139, we talk about the, uh, the law, the prophets, the commandments, the ordinances, and all of the ways in which the Pentateuch, the Torah, and, and, and obviously the prophecies of the prophets, and you talk about how Jesus canonized the scripture, including the Psalms mm-hmm. and the Proverbs. Now you're seeing here, we're tracing how mm-hmm. he brought the institution into the planet. Yeah. When Moses is Just on like that it. mountain, mm-hmm. you're recognizing he brought in a whole entire institution into the planet. Mm-hmm. 
Abel got an assignment, he got a word, he got killed. Okay, we recognize what the whole purpose of that was. Mm -hmm. We got Abraham, he got a prophecy, and he got an assignment, he got a directive. Hey, teach your, the next yeah, generation, blah, blah. But it wasn't until Moses that of the government of God opened up on that mountain and began to come into the planet. And insert itself in the government right. of the planet. So there we have the point of origin here. So you talked about the law that prophesied the Ten Commandments, the ordinances of God, and mm -hmm. And how uh, uh, in First Peter, I you know I love First Peter. Not my favorite, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Because it proves why the what the connection is between the pre-carnate Jesus Christ and relationship with the prophets and the prophets of today, the New Testament and Old Testament prophets. You run this down very uh, uh, beautifully. Okay, you talk about I want to go because you're running through scriptures. So you talk about first of all that the prophetic is mentioned 88 times in the New Testament, mm -hmm. which I appreciate. Okay, because most Problems we're having with the evangelicals is that our institution is, is done away with. They don't even know First John what the false prophets and false teachers, you know, that's that one. Yeah. You know, just as there were false prophets among the, the ancients, there's so would it be. No, no, 88 times. The prophetic is mentioned more than pastors. Right. The prophetic is mentioned more than pastors. Because okay. it's a kingdom also. Right. And it was one of God's first prime ministers, of which you point out. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because one of the first ministry functions that he engaged was the prophet. Yeah. In, the, in, the, in all of creation. So you talk about that. Okay. So you say more than 88 times, Jesus being taken for one, for one uh, substantiates their testimonies of him. And you tell us to see a, a, a variety of scriptures. If you're going to read chapter 9, my recommendation is to go through chapter 9 and actually print out those scriptures first. And then go back and reread them yeah. because you will miss key elements of the revelation as she outlines the institution of the prophetic in this chapter. Okay, so she says, see Matthew 2.23, Matthew 5.17, 7.12, paired the prophets with the law, something that happens repeatedly through the New Testament writing. Hold on. New Testament. Hold on. Go ahead. Because this is important. Then we're going back to read. Yes, it's okay. Did you all catch that? Did you catch what, what she just said? That Jesus pairs the prophets with the law. Mm -hmm. So prophets are law abiders. Moses was a law giver. Jesus came as the great prophet who is a law giver. Mm -hmm. So this whole idea that, that the, we don't do the law, no, prophets exist to see to it that God's law is not violated, that it's enforced so that the protections that it is to provide or afford others and the provisions and promises, promises and safeguards and etc. are there through the prophets. See, when you get when the reason you're upset with prophets is because they're out of scripture, mm. and they're out of scripture, which means they're out of order. Because the only order you're going to get for this is in God's word. But it's interesting because we want to be ordained, but the root word of ordained is order. Order. And I think it's interesting that when you make up your mind that you want to become an ordained prophet, that means that you want to come in alignment with a particular order. And, and origin mm -hmm. for that order. And I think that that's kind of what gets us stuck because yeah. we're not prepared to do that, you know? So, no, no we're, we're, we're prepared to show off, express our gift, and let everybody hear what God has been saying to us. Well, and there's, there, there's that. So he pairs the prophets with the law, which happens repeatedly in the New Testament. Matthew eleven thirteen links the law with the prophets in reverse. So they, uh, so um, if, I'm they. sorry to say they, and the law prophesied Jesus is coming, and they did so until John the Baptist. How did the law prophesy? The law prophesied because we think of the Ten Commandments. I know. Okay, but before the Ten Commandments, there was Enoch's words that said, I'm coming with my righteous saints. 
I'm coming with this, we're coming with that. And then when we started, when it started prophesying, the, the other way it prophesied is that all of the, the, um, the performances, the celebrations, the sacrifices, they were done as a shadow of the one who would come. So, they, so, so God settled for earthly things. And he kept us keeping away of those earthly things, those earthly uh, maneuvers, those earthly practices and, and policies and rules, so that when Jesus come, we would recognize his personality from the religious institution that preceded him and came out of his intent to come on the earth and deal with the darkness in men. I have to take a pause. Did you want to flex on Oh, my gosh. I think you will. But you said you just. Uh, inadvertently, because that you were answering a direct question, which is how the law prophesied. But you did not start with the law mm-hmm. as it was written in the ten. You went back to Enoch, mm-hmm. which is interesting because Enoch actually predates Moses. But you also reveal something in answering the question that way that I don't think that we as prophets were putting together, and that is how Moses got the entire institution. Now you have prophesied. I mean, yeah, you prophesied, but you have um, also revealed. Okay that when Moses was on the mountain, that he did not just get Ten Commandments, but he got the whole government Mm -hmm. for how God was going to do this. Mm -hmm. Would that include why he was able to write the book of Genesis? Did that happen on that mountain? Absolutely. He's up there 40 days twice. So think about that. In Genesis, Moses is literally going back to the point of origin for the entire framework for what he's receiving Mm -hmm. down the line for the Ten Commandments all the way through to the Levitical priesthood, okay, until we get into John the Baptist. Exactly. On a mountain in 80 days. In 80 days. We're talking about Abel. Abel. We're talking about Abraham. Uh Uh-huh. Well, well, before before Abel, Enoch. Let me not skip this. Right? Even Noah. Okay, preacher, righteous, we understand. So we're talking about he gets the breakout of the entire thing, mm-hmm. not just these ten things. And they're breathing to him because he doesn't have pen and paper. He's not chiseling. So they, he breathes. That's why he said, I breathe what I want Moses to know. I breathed in his mouth. He said, I talked to number 12. Mm-hmm. I talked to Moses face to face. He said, I opened my mouth and I opened his mouth and I breathed into him. That's what it means when they talk about God breathed. So before he even steps into that place of legislature, this man is on this mountain with God, having a face-to-face encounter with him breaking down the entire originics of everything mm-hmm. so that he would understand the framework of what Israel was being uh, responsible for mm-hmm. and what he was pulling in. Now, understand, Ooh. in order for God to have that, that, for you to have that God breathe this form, because he was, I mean, those prophecies, if they're really true, God gave me, it came from the Holy Spirit, who is the breath of God. Mm-hmm. So, we understand that. But, in order for you to have that, you needed to have a framework. God had given Moses an intellectual, professional, ministerial, royal, monarchical framework for all that he did. He had him on track to become the pharaoh of Egypt. And then he also had him on in Midian, where in Egypt he got the king thing down. But in Midian, he got the priest thing down. So all of this, we don't think that this, this pertains to us and all of that. That's because you're looking at your local church. No, your local church is not a nation. Your church is a tribe or a municipal mm-hmm. municipality, maybe, maybe a neighborhood, depending on how big it is, in a nation. But your church isn't. Moses 
brought down the totality of what God said. And in Numbers 12, 6, he said, but I breathe. Uh, he said 12, 6 through 8, I breathe in my, everything I want Moses to say. Mm-hmm. I opened his mouth and I breathed it so that it saturated his pores. It saturated his organs. It saturated his, his spirit. It saturated his soul so that his body had nothing else to say except what God did. That's why he came down with his face lit up. I think we have done a disservice by disassociating what God did with Moses as <laughs> oh, prophets mm-hmm. because we so have brought it down to just Moses in Egypt land that if you actually think about everything God revealed to this man in Genesis, you begin to understand what the real work of the prophet is and why the prophecy and, and, and um, the prophetic continuum is important it is, because mm-hmm. he didn't allow that man to do anything without first knowing the continuum point of mm-hmm. origin, okay, before he stepped into doing it. He didn't just go into Israel and say, hey, we're going to just do some laws. No, no. Before we get to these ten things, let me take you back to the beginning of creation and what my problem was. Mm-hmm. He never allowed him to move and institute things without knowing the origin, knowing the cause, and, and, and knowing why he had to stay within mm-hmm. the structure. You have to move this along this way because of what I did with Abel, because of what I said to Noah, because of what I did to Abraham. Exactly. Which is what the New Testament prophet okay, is missing mm-hmm. from this equation Absolutely. is that God never called one of them mm-hmm. without knowing why. But the others before them did. Exactly. Why he, so he didn't, he didn't just come and give them ten without first knowing that in the beginning was. Well, and also Moses, this is very interesting you brought that up, this is because Moses did not come down from that, mo- that mountain the second time, but the first time probably also, with it, uh, being ignorant to the legislation he's about to put in place. We like to say prophets set or you know they, yeah. they set order and whatever, but these people never took a government course. Don't even understand the the, the mindset of a governor or, mm-hmm. or, or, or a policymaker or a politician. You out here prophesying to politicians. You don't even know what politics is except well, it's people in church because you're still operating on that congregational consciousness. But here's something that you really will like. Mm-hmm. When Moses breached the continuum, it cost him. Yep. Because he did. He made one move. He breached the continuum at the waters of Meribah. Mm-hmm. He said, I didn't tell you to hit. It's not written that you hit. It's written that I said. And Okay. So how did that get corrected? I know he got corrected. He didn't end up going into the promised land and all of that. And then Michael had to come and, and, and do the whole wrestle thing. Okay. But how did he correct that in the course of activities within the continuum? When it, when a breach does happen, how do they how do they deal with that? Well, God dealt with Moses and then put him back on the word. And then Moses later shows you how God dealt with him because he said, you know, y'all y'all caused me to get in trouble in there about. Well, I know he dealt with the person. Now I'm saying, how did he fix the continuum? <laughs> Forgive me. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Didn't you. No, no, okay. you're all good. You got the same genes. It's okay. It's okay. But. Um, what he did, but but you can you can extrapolate that from Moses' word to the people. Okay. Because uh-huh. Moses had to go back and tell the people, because me and Aaron did it wrong, you know, we have to fix this. And so he had, he said, you all caused me to be, so he's not blaming them, right. but he's also revealing by recalling it that God dealt with him and then sent him back to put the people's eyes back on the Lord. But did it mess up any kind of event or activity that was displayed for the continuum? Well, you know, I think that them being new, I don't know that it messed up any continuing events because, mm-hmm. remember, it was one incident and right. one prophet, mm-hmm. and that prophet was corrected and got things back on track. 
Okay, good. Because because that's often because other uh, other elements. But, but think about it. But later on down the line, Moses is like, now look, uh, now we've been forty years. You mean to tell me you're still not over that? Because it took Moses out of that branch of the continuum. He had to die and not enter the promised land. Wow. And so did God foreknow that was going to happen and why Joshua Mm -hmm. was raised up? Mm -hmm. Because he knew that to make sure that at all costs the continuum event despite the mistakes of the people continue to move forward. Exactly. And and Moses' mistake was more based on the people's, God's determination that the people would not look at Moses as God incarnate. Of course. And that's what was going to happen. So he had to fix that to let them know, you're God. If you look at Moses over and over again, you're God, you're God, you're God. But now it's as to whether or not God um, foreknew it. I mean, you can't be, how is he going to be God? And he didn't know it. Right, but, of course. And yeah. because he knows that he already has a built-in plan or solution that's growing up with the, with the um, ex- expression or demonstration of the, of the institution or the practice itself. So there's always that. God has a backup. God does not worry. I'm telling you, he has a backup for everything. That's why Jesus is called the last Adam, because Jesus was the backup for the first Adam. Mm-hmm. God has a backup. So with that, but now... Moses learned from that, and it doesn't say that he and God had any more issues. Mm-mm. You know, well, not like David. He came back. To David work and God with him. had a lot of issues, you know, as you point out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he came back to work with him. You know, and, and when Jesus Christ is out of the, you know, now in His time uh, to wrap up with with, with Moses's era, mm-hmm. Moses is, you know, with the the portion that he he kickstarted. Uh, he's coming to wrap this whole thing up. Moses is there. Mm-hmm. You know, he's right. There. And you know what's interesting because Jesus. Jesus is the last Adam. He said, Jesus is Alpha Omega, everything. And we don't want to know that because, wow, that's going to be scary. But Jesus comes, and what is he? Moses said that the Lord your God will raise up a prophet from among you like me. So when Jesus comes, they everybody's waiting. You're that prophet that Moses talked about? Because when when Moses dies, it says God buried him, and there is no other prophet that's raised up like him. Like, you will not get, they, they never got another mosaic model prototype. That was it. Close the book, it's over. And then when it comes back, it's the Lord himself who comes back online as a mosaic model to finish what Moses started and to give what Moses did to all the nations. Going global. Going global. The law going global. The law went global. While you thought it was where it went defunct and it went, it was abolished. He didn't never said he was abolishing the law. Jesus told you he wasn't because the law and the prophets are partners. The law and the prophets are partners, and that's important because the law gives us our job as mm-hmm. prophets. And I think that we forget that. Yeah, because, because where are you going to get it from? A, well, you get it from these spiritual excursions. Didn't we, didn't we just talk about that? Yeah, well, yes. We're supposed to be seeing angels that fly in our room. Mm. So I think that, you know, those things are more important, you know, yeah. to us, if yeah. that makes sense. They yeah. are. They and are. And so I think that a good um, a good place that I, I'd like uh, to, to kind of wrap up our thoughts on this, if you are okay with that, 
uh, it says here, one can, can, can deduce from this that the law refers to the Ten Commandments, the Levitical Ordinances, and the Pentateuch. Matthew 13, 17 is a precursor to Peter's revelation in 1 Peter 1, 10 through 12. Yes, sir, yes, and here's why. Because the biggest challenge with New Testament prophets, I think, gets answered in 1 Peter. Because it says in that uh, verse, that verse says, that the same spirit of Christ that brought us the gospel and that's dealing with us today as New Testament prophets, is the one that prophesied to them. Yeah. And I think that we think it was somebody else. We thought that it's a different dispensation of the Spirit because mm-hmm. they didn't have the Holy Ghost on the inside of them, mm-hmm. that they got there was something else that would make them different and makes us better because we now have the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. He's on the inside of us. We can hear from God directly, all of this. So when the, we're talking about the Spirit of the Lord coming upon them, we almost treat it, and some have even taught comment in commentaries that it was different. Yeah, and that's an accident. And it's not the self-same spirit of Christ. So I, that's what I think is important for us to make. Now, I think that's powerful. And the reason I say it's powerful is because according to my, uh, Nehemiah 9.30, it says that God's spirit was in the prophets. Mm-hmm. So just because, God's, just because God's spirit was not in the new creation spirit doesn't mean that he wasn't in the spirit, mm-hmm. that he wasn't in them, because God's spirit was in the prophets. Mm-hmm. And that's how they got him because it's God's breed. So all got to do. There you go. So his spirit was in the prophet. So that's first of all kind of a a, a misunderstanding. And then talking about the um, what did you say the uh, Christ in the in prophet. prophet. Yes. Yeah. And so Christ was in those prophets. Now he was in those prophets not as Jesus the Savior the Messiah because his reasons for interacting with them was not yet salvation. And that was what was closed. There you go. They didn't get that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was That's not good. not yet salvation. What it was was God communicating and issuing his future in the earth. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about it, Jesus has been doing stuff forever. And we think that but he was doing it as Messiah or Christ, meaning like, you know, today we say, well, Christ only means anointed. It actually means the anointed monarch the anointed ruler. It actually means the anointed king, the anointed sovereign. It doesn't just mean somebody walking around with oil on them. It doesn't just mean because your preacher lays hands on you, you are like Christ. Because you still don't have a seat of authority. You don't have a seat of power. You don't know where you can do what. And you don't have any more power than what Christ decides to release through you. So the prophets that were receiving the prophecies. Jesus Christ prophesied his own life. He prophesied his own incarnation. He prophesied his own three and a half years because he's the continuum. Why is that? Why did Christ have to do it? Because Christ is the word of God, the logos of God. Mm-hmm. Oh. That, I'm, I'm gone. You know I'm gone. I know you're gone because I'm gone. <laughs> we, sit, we have to sit here right now and act like we're all cool. We want to shout all over. The place. Are y'all shouting out there? Are you guys getting excited? God. So Christ had to give it because Christ is the author of the continuum, and He is good. And he's the author and finisher of our faith. So He's the author of our salvation. Somebody hear me. So the reason that that those prophets couldn't get it was because their new creation spirits weren't there. They were still operating on their spirits that were dead to God. Mm-hmm. And so God got it. Stepped in took advantage of that, and gave the word that he needed for them to do it. But he 
the enlightenment, the veil is only taken away in Christ, according to Paul. So the veil that was on their heart stayed on their heart, even though their intellect was able to receive the words, receive the prophecy and write them. They were confused. It says that. It said, we're getting all this stuff we didn't know what I'm talking about. It's kind of like the people in the 1930s trying to figure out how we're going to see the two prophets lay in the street for three days, right? It's the same kind of a scenario. We don't know how that's going to happen. Well, today we know because we have Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, right? We have satellites that are beaming and, and capturing information around the world. So the prophets did not know what Jesus was talking about because their job was to be scribal, not evangelical. They were supposed to be scribes. They weren't supposed to evangelize. Evangelism was going to come later. But you said something powerful. And I don't know, uh, it's hitting me in a very different way because it goes back to your opening um, uh, exhortation about scribing. We get so caught up in trying to interpret every aspect of what we receive that it does make us poor scribes because we want to be seen as a person who has, you know, ta-da, prophesied something that came to, ba- came to pass. But they had an obligation and a responsibility uh, to not only keep Christ secret. Mm-hmm. Okay, but to stay faithful to what they were hearing that they did not understand. To the fidelity of his word. They had an obligation That's to, 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 be, to, to remain in order to be in a continuum, because a continuum requires fidelity. They also knew it was safe to write, and they were chosen because they said they were holy. Again, that whole other thing, you know, these prophets that say that they prophesying and you're partying, you're prophesying and you're, you're committing adultery, you're prophesying and you're fornicating. I'm telling you, that's unholy. That's unholy. So what we're going to get from you is what happened to Saul. He came into the prophetic stream, etc. We're going to get a Balaam word from you, cash and carry. And so because the Bible said holy men of God wrote as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Holy is the thing. That's the key. Now, we'll talk about holy, but let's just, if you want a quick understanding of holy, holistic. When you go on a holistic diet, what do you do? Oh, yeah, it's nothing, no impurities, nothing. When you decide you're going to live a holistic life, what are you going to do? Give it every toxin. Every toxin, and you're going to be out Friday night in the club. You're not going to be sitting down, having lunch with people, drinking and taking your little drinks, talking about what Jesus drank, wine. You're not going to do all of those unholy things because your vessel is your instrument. And a great um, expert, an artist, a talent, You're hitting a lot of things. They take care of the instrument. And we don't take care of the instrument of our scribing. We don't. I mean, most of these people today, because you're taught not to. Well, when you think about how much uh, things we take in, you know, even even uh, uh, chronic sexual activity um, can, you know, that's, you mm-hmm. know, on the on the immoral side that is. Exactly. But can impair, also impair your judgment and impair your vessel's ability to function, and not just because of STDs, but a lot of the other effects, other, uh, you know, soul effects. Well, and we're talking about it in our biblical psychology Absolutely. class this week. We covered that at length. Yeah, we did. And so you were talking about a prophet has, has a knockdown, drag-out sermon, and then goes and raises all of this money and goes back to the room to have a sexual twist, tryst mm-hmm. and, and a sexual encounter. Now, all of those exchange of the DNA, because mm-hmm. sexuality swaps DNA, all of that means that those voices will continue to speak. They, they will penetrate your brain in different areas. They'll penetrate your soul. 
And so, the, and as much as they do it, that's how much those prophecies are going to be fragmented and fractured. So even though the word came, even if they're, they are a prophet and their prophet spirit received the word mm-hmm. accurately, mm-hmm. clearly, even though they did that, in reality, when that pure word hit and got to run around the DNA of all of those people uh, 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 that you have on the inside of you, that residual DNA, because there is no way to expel sexual material. Hmm. That's why God said every sin a man commits is outside the body, but sexual immorality is a sin taken in the body because you can't get it out because it begins to fuse with you. Now, that's a whole other discussion. So now you have this prophet that is sitting here, they're watching movies, masturbating, doing drugs, hallucinating, I mean, and all of those kinds of things. And you think that, and they've been told it doesn't matter because they think their prophet spirit is in some sort of still cage or still vault where it's unaffected. Mm-hmm. But the soul is permeable, which means things can enter it. And, and wrapping this up, because this is, are you all enjoying this? I was getting, whew. Yeah, because somebody has to make you understand. Because here, oh, help me. Let me finish this one thought. So Peter says something very important. He said, but, but, this, but, but, but the scriptures, the prophecy of scripture, mm-hmm. I just think that's a powerful thing. Yeah, I love it. The prophecy is of no private interpretation. Right. There is no, what is that? That's continuum language, guys. Yeah. It's saying the scriptures and what those prophets received stayed in that continuum, and it couldn't be subject to private interpretation. And clearly it wasn't because they couldn't figure out what they were writing about. Can you imagine being so prophetically clean and astute that you can write something that makes absolutely no intellectual sense to you? Mm-hmm. No psycho-emotional sense. Mm-hmm. You're just a machine. You're just a recorder. But you just made that scripture, like, leap off the page, which you do, um, leap off the page um, because, my gosh, of no private interpretation. And now it makes Peter's statement that said that they desire to peer into what they were prophesying. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the mistake that often we make as New Testament people is that we try to give, you know, an interpretation sometimes Uh to these things. And I'm not talking about the situational things where God is speaking to a particular individual about something they're going through in their life. I'm talking about things that we know are on the order of, you know, the continuum Mm -hmm. um, and that we try to interpret them. I think sometimes it's happened with the book of Revelation, you know, because we're trying so hard to see where it fits in our present day and not realizing that prophecy is coming to shape a future. Exactly. And so and it's always, you know, primarily for the future and not necessarily for the now, uh, which can cause us to get into a lot of complicated mm-hmm. doctrine, um, patchwork understanding. I and, know it. And, and, and ultimately, I guess I would just say error, too. Yeah, um, because, I like well, because when you talked earlier, while you're pulling up that passage in Peter, when you talked earlier about, you know, just what, what's happening with the apostles and how they have all this strange doctrine, Really, because they, we didn't sit down to learn. No. We didn't sit down to think about how this would affect Christ and what has come before us first. Mm-hmm. We end up with a patchwork doctor. They're literally patching this work together. Mm-hmm. And if there's no consistency, there's no continuity, there's no even agreement, okay, when we look across the board uh, at uh, what a lot of apostles are saying, you had an opportunity to participate in something in which every apostle was able to speak about their own definition of it. Mm-hmm. And you could probably say in reading that entire book, what would be, okay, how many times would commonality or common themes, you know, show up? Not much. Because of the patchworking. It's like most of the revelations like a quilt, because unlike what you did, we didn't worry about getting a body of knowledge or thought. Mm-hmm. 
And that's what I like about this because it's continuous mm-hmm. and it's contiguous. Exactly. And we need both. First Peter one nine says, because mm-hmm. here this is gonna blow the whole once saved, always saved, etc. thing out the window. Well um it says receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Your see God said he who endures to the end will be saved. Right. So we we are the now and then he said this salvation is not exclusive to this era or the era of the church is being born. Right. He said, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come to you, searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ. Wow. Say it. Does your Bible say spirit of Christ? And this is, Ed, did you say you're reading from First Peter, right? You started First Peter, Peter 10, chapter 9, 9, chapter 1, mm-hmm. 9, I'm at 11. Mm-hmm. The spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Unto them, those prophets of the Old Testament, it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported to you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost, sent for sent from heaven. Mm-hmm. Now, there is something wrong, you know, because there is unto them sent for heaven. I think it goes back to here, unto whom it was revealed. Mm-hmm. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, um, they did minister the things which are now reported to you by them that have preached the gospel. Now, there is something missing here. That's why you got to know the Bible. Okay. Because what's missing? Give me an old Bible. I'm getting ready to get cut up. Uh oh, she's about to cut up. Gonna have an old Bible I here, think, Norma? Uh, in the, uh, Let me see here. In the drawer. Uh, are you talking about things in which angels desire to look into? Mm-mm. Okay. No. Oh, missing another oh, oh, phraseology. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, it's missing something that's very important. Because, see, these modern translations, you can't trust them. Okay. Because some of these people have cut league with, with, with the power that's trying to take down the church. And well, you can't trust them. This now, is 1611 I, coming right now. Yeah, let's see, what it, let's see if it's there. Okay. Because it might be here. It might be up higher. Is it higher? Mm-hmm. All right, we're we're on our search. We're gonna open this up for you first. Yeah, so I can find it. Boy, that print's small. Oh well, yeah, you will need your glasses. I need them. <laughs> All right, I'm at First Peter now. Now let's see, because maybe it's, uh, I want to make sure I'm in the right one. I'm just, you you checked them, didn't you? Yep. Yeah. Let me see. Mm-hmm. Something is off. What is it? One. One. You started at nine. So I have to find out where the other scripture is. Okay, the one that you're looking for. Yeah. So, but we're going to wrap this up because. And I'll make sure you get that scripture. Yeah. You're going to, she, you know, she's going to give it to you on Wednesday. That's the reason. That's the reason to tune in tune on in this. Wednesday morning. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and then. And preach sent down from heaven. Now look at this. I always say Christianity comes from heaven. Yeah. And it says here, verse 12. <coughs> forgive me. Um, that says, uh, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, they, they, this is what I was looking for, that they ministered the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Spirit sent down.
down from heaven which the angels decided to look at. Things which the angels. Now, you know the angels standing by the throne probably got some inside information. But those angels that are down here, hallelujah. Um, and I think probably both sides, the dark and the mm-hmm. light angels, wanted to know what in the world. What did they, well, yeah, God, well, you know, considering yeah. they lived through all of the other crazy. Exactly. You know? So I'll make sure you get the rest of this so you can get the final pieces. But yeah. we, what time is it? Because, you know, we got so, me and my daughter, we do this at the table. Yeah. Sometimes at the at house. Home and just get into and the I room. mean, hours go by, and we're like, what are we doing? Don't we have meetings? But it's now, I don't know if a Prophet of D is around or whatever. I know, because we've talked, we've talked right into Prophet of D's moment. Yeah, I guess you decided <laughs> to say it or death. Oh, okay, so Prophet of D, find, find your way to tell us where we're going. I want to thank you so much. Here she is. And I don't Everybody. know where Prophet Ashley is. I'm sure that she's off fighting the cold somewhere. Right. I so jump on the phone line. Yeah, why don't you do that? Okay. She's, okay. Prophet is going to jump on the phone and bring us some great so announcements. Guys, mm-hmm. yeah. So now, listen, guys, I know that we ate up a little of your time, but there are, we will be taking calls when she's done, yes. and we're going to take a breath. The reason I take a break is because my throat gets tired, <laughs> and I teach on Thursday. Um, what do I do? I teach on Tuesday night. I was about to say, but you're not the only one that needs a break after this. Oh, really? So we have to be able to switch gears in our minds because, oh. okay, today you dropped so many powerful nuggets on us that we're still processing and circling through. So that'll give you a chance to switch gears and get ready for the other portion of the public. So I will be taking calls, which so uh, there will be a break. I'm going to take a break, drink something, quench my thirst and something else. And And then so make sure you, when we go over to Blog Talk Radio, hit one. If you are a prophet and you want to give me uh, some feedback on what you heard, please make sure you tell the people who answered the phone. So I want to give feedback. I, I'm still going to pray. You know, I'm always going to pray. and But I like to give feedback because I need to know how this is landing on the contemporary prophets. So be, be prepared, if you have any comments, to share them. Well, thank you, Chief Prophet. You are Paula welcome. Price. And the rest of this you'll get on your Wednesday Warrior. Wednesday Warrior. That's right. We're in Chapter 9. You can check us out on Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. We're Facebook and Periscope Live, and we'll be going through the rest of this, jumping into Balaam, jumping into uh, a lot of the other prophets. You <laughs> took us on a great journey. I think it's great. When, when now, when people ask, well, what is the institution of the prophetic? You do us. We now know. We now have it. So thank you for allowing me to ask the question on My air. Pleasure. And thank you. Let, hey, Let's give her some hearts right now for writing this book before the garden. Okay, God's eternal continuum. Hearts, hearts, hearts for this book. Thank you again. You're welcome. And make sure that you share, share, share. If you're a prophetic a chief prophet, you have a prophetic network, you have a, if you're a pastor and you want to kind of speak to your people about this and bring them into the, the, this, this kind of revelation to give you more uh, influence and control over that, Please do it, but share, 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 share it everywhere. Share, share, share. Did they all say share? Share, share, share. Share it everywhere. God bless you. Let's go over to Block Talk Radio. When you get there, hit that number one so we can chat. God bless you. Have a great weekend. All right, guys, you've been listening live uh, this morning and this afternoon to the Paula Price Show. We're here every Thursday. 
via blogtalkradio.com slash Paula Price Show and also via Periscope. We thank you so much for listening, for tuning in with us. Dr. Price is about to take your calls in this last half hour of the broadcast today. So we want you to take a moment to press number one press number one so we can speak to you in this half hour. We want to speak some life to you. And if you have been just really empowered and challenged by the training today, by the exhortation today, we want to hear from you. Press that number one, as Dr. Price has instructed, and let us know that you have some feedback, that you have some comments. Uh, We want to interact with you. We want to hear from you. So press that number one right now so that we can speak with you in today's call. I just want to let you know a few things that happened on the broadcast today and how you can stay connected with the information that was presented to you. You can actually get your copy of Before the Garden by visiting us online at drpaulaaprice.com. drpaulaaprice.com. Just click to shop the store and you'll be able to find your copy of Before the Garden, God's Eternal Continuum. You don't want to miss out on this text. I'm telling you, this text is life-changing and transformative. So get your copy today, drpaulaaprice.com, and then click shop and, and just search in there for Before the Garden, God's Eternal Continuum. You'll be able to get your copy. You can also catch uh, Wednesday evenings. Wednesday Warriors, we are diving into Before the Garden. Week after week, we are conquering um, chapters of this book and talking about it together. So if you want to be a part of this book club with us, you can do that simply by following us online. If you search Facebook, uh, search Wednesday Warriors Book Club, you'll be able to find Before the Garden there, and you'll know every time that the show is about to go live. We're there. We're here live every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. for Before the Garden, Wednesday Warriors. So we want you to become a part of our Wednesday Warriors team. Again, you can look us up on Facebook, Wednesday Warriors Before the Garden, and you'll be able to join in with us on Wednesday nights at 7.30 p.m. Central, where we are tackling this book. We are taking this book by the hand that we're going through it, and we want you to be a part of our book club every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Before I let you go today, I want to let you know how you can connect with Dr. Paula Price on Facebook. All you have to do is click facebook.com slash drpaulaprice, and you'll be able to follow her page there on Facebook. She goes live every Thursday at 11 o'clock a.m. to 1 o'clock p.m. Central for the Paula Price Show, and the first hour of this show is video broadcast. So you can tune in there by visiting her on facebook.com slash Dr. Paula Price. So we want to encourage you to visit her there, like her page, become a part of the Facebook family. You'll also be able to get information on Wisdom for Living, which is a video series that is new every morning. You're able to get new tidbits of wisdom, and it's linked to her Facebook as well. Earlier in the broadcast today, Dr. Price talked about the Count Me In campaign, and we want to know, can we count you in on what God is doing with Dr. Price's new broadcast, Taking It On with Paula Price? We've already started broadcasting on Channel 47 in the Tulsa area. It's now also available on the web. If you follow Dr. Price on YouTube, follow Taking It On with Paula Price on YouTube. You can be a part of taking this show around the world, and all you have to do is say yes, count me in. So you can visit us online at drpaulaaprice.com and click count me in and sow a seed. Sow a seed to this broadcast and help us take this show around the globe. So that's how you can do that. When you click to sow a seed, be sure that you specify the count me in campaign when you are sowing your financial gift. We want to hear from you. We appreciate so much your feedback. So again, press number one on the call right now if you'd like to speak with Dr. Price in this second half hour of the, of the show. 
because we want to connect with you. Big shout out to our Twitter family today and all those who share our Periscope broadcast. We can't do this without you. Continue to support, continue to give those hearts. It helps us to reach more people with this gospel. So please continue to support us. And for those of you who follow the Congregation of the Mighty online, which is Dr. Price's church here in Tulsa, we'll be live this Sunday at 10 o'clock a.m. Central, 10 o'clock a.m. Central, Congregation of the Mighty online. All right, Prophet Ashley, I'm going to turn it over to you for some announcements. Don't forget, press that number one if you want to speak to Dr. Price in this last half hour of the broadcast. All right, thank you, Prophet Adia. And we'll be right back after these messages. Have you ever wondered, why do I hear from God? Is what happens when I pray normal? Why do I think so differently? Is my relationship with God unusual? How do I explain my experiences with God? Does anyone else experience these things? I have so many talents, but how do I find my purpose? I know I'm called to ministry, but where do I begin? These daily questions lead to one solution. Introducing the Standardized Ministry Assessments Series. What was on God's mind when He made you? Find out how our assessments can help you uncover your greatest mystery you. Our standardized ministry assessments consist of 800 ministry-specific questions, 114 ministry-based categories, 50 ministry classifications, a comprehensive gift analysis, five-fold office identifiers, automatic response indicators, targeted benchmark scoring, automated result interpretations, custom readiness path options, call-specific recommendations, personal ministry advisement. Is this basically a personality test? No. Your results are custom-designed and not based on the traditional data used to determine your personality type or IQ. Instead, your results come from you, how you think, and what you believe, not predetermined categories into which you must loosely fit. Dr. Paula Price's nearly 25 years of research and experience see to that. How is this different from a spiritual gift test? Our assessments are not a test and assess more than just your spiritual gift, what you are good at and may be interested in doing for your church. We help you define your ministry calling, how ready you are to do it full time, the type of training you need to do it well, and the best place for you to prosper, whether in or out of the church. They don't just give you a number. They give you a life plan. We offer three levels of assessments. The Ministry Assessment Questionnaire. The Prophetic Aptitude Questionnaire. The Apostolic Diagnostic. So what's your ministry IQ? Discover yours today. www.drpaulaprice.com or call 877-649-PPMG. Hey guys, this is Mr. Dia from Saturday Morning Kids. Every Saturday, we post a brand new episode full of God's power, full of God's word, just for kids ages 8 through 12. Subscribe to us on YouTube under Kingdom 5 Student Ministries. That's Kingdom 5 Student Ministries only on YouTube. Kids, I'm talking to you. We're diving into purpose, destiny, and God's plan for our lives. So I'll see you every Saturday for Saturday Morning Kids. 
A Tulsa author holds an open house to celebrate the opening of her new Christian university. Author of the Prophet's Dictionary, Dr. Paula Price has been spreading her message online for the past year and a half while pastoring her church in Bixby. She says the new Price University will be located near 41st and I-44 and is taking something that started online and now giving it a home. We're gelling it right now. So we have online courses. I also have a, uh, I, uh, a, a program where I set up prophetic institutions around the country. Find out your place in Price University by visiting www.priceuniversity.org or call us today to schedule a consultation at 877-419-1299. Price University. Learn today. Lead tomorrow. Hi, my name is Chief Prophet Tala Price, and I want to invite you to join me every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time for a riveting and exciting discussion of my favorite book by my favorite author. Yes, Before the Garden, God's Eternal Continuum, written by the one and only Dr. Paula Price. Join us on our weekly journey of studying the history of eternity as it's been revealed through Scripture. Learn your God, learn your world, learn yourself, and even your Savior before time began. We're going to discuss revelationary answers to age-old questions like, how did we get here? Why does our planet exist? Does it have a creator? What was on his mind concerning us? And why did he bring Christ and Christianity into our world? Topics like these and more we'll be discussing every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can join us on Facebook Live or by Periscope. For more information, visit www.tallaprice.com. That's www.tallaprice.com. Okay, and we are back with the second portion of today's Paula Price show with the one and only Dr. Paula Price, who is now taking it on, in case radio wasn't enough, television, the final frontier. (laughs) You know what? I would like to think it's the final frontier, but I'm not entirely sure that's going to be the case, Prophet. Okay, so it's the next frontier. How about that? We'll just say next. (laughs) Next. Because, you know, every time I tell God, I pick what I know, and he finds something else. So we have a deal now. I don't have those conversations with them. I understand. I see why. Are we ready? To, <laughs> um, are you ready to take calls? I'm ready. Okay, very good. We have first on the line Patricia from Oklahoma. And Patricia wants to know if she should stay at her current job or go after a new opportunity. Patricia, welcome to the Paula Price Show. Hello. Good morning, Dr. Price. Good morning, Patricia. How's it going? Oh, it's going great. Going great. Excellent, excellent. So talk to us about the job thing. Uh, The job is at uh, Tulsa Community College, and uh, I would be working uh, in the office, in one of the offices there, and actually start putting to work uh, some of the classes that that I've already taken and what I'm taking now. So uh, it would also, you know, cut down on the travel, but 
And I do really like the job that I'm at. Uh, the one at TCC pays a dollar and eleven cents more an hour than I'm making now. So, you know, I just need the the wisdom of the Lord rather to stay or to apply. Well, it sounds like you've already processed the thinking. Number one, you said it's going to cut down travel, so that's a dollar savings there. Number two, you said that you're going to uh, earn an additional dollar an hour, so and that you can utilize more of your education and other experiences. So I think you pretty much kind of worked it out as to what's a good decision. Uh, yes, but, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to, if it's not God's timing, then, you know, because this year I want to make sure that I am 100% following what the Lord wants me to do. So, Well, I think that the fact that you're seeking him, this is one of those things that if you feel that it's going to give you advantage, you always make a decision about a job based on the advancements that you can make as well as the stability that you have and your security. You know, so you're, you've laid out most of that. You said the, the only thing I don't know about, I don't hear from you, is about the security. Is this a long-term job or is it a temp job? For uh, example, it, it, it could be. It could be. Uh, it could be a long-term job. Uh, it is part-time, but you know, I can go to it straight from my class. Uh, so you know, I can still work it and take my classes. So it would just be. Um, more convenient, more pay, and, you know, like I said, uh, start putting what I've been going to school so that I don't forget it by the time I graduate. I understand that. Now, do you uh, the classes that you're taking, are they at this same um, school? Yes, Tulsa Community College, yes. Well, okay, I have so one then... class on Tuesday and Thursday. That's at Metro and one on Wednesday okay. money, that's at North Campus. Well, it's not, here's what I hear from your heart. I hear that you want to take this job for all of the good reasons that you've just given. So you're uh-huh. going to take this job in faith. You're going to believe God that he's leading you by his spirit, and you're going to go on and finish the, taking your classes and utilize what you're learning in your new position. It, it has a lot of advantages. I think that this is a good piece of counsel for you, so – Step into it and do not be fearless. And don't go in there superstitious. All right. Amen. Father, thank you Amen. so much for Patricia and all the things that she you have on the, your plate for her and her life, in her book of life. Lord, I thank you for that. I'm asking that you continue to speak to her in the night seasons, guide her footsteps, make sure that her, her steps are ordered by your word, your will, your truth, and her destiny. I give her peace with this decision, God, and thank you for the favor that she'll have stepping into the new place as well. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Dr. Price, and your teaching on the prevalent of how prophets need to be and understand God's word is awesome. I thank you for it. Oh, it's a blessing. Thank you, too. God bless. Have a great time. And listen, have an abundant future. Sounds like yours is on the way. Awesome. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. God bless. <laughs> God bless. Prophet. All right, Dr. Price. Next, we have Stephen from Oregon, who's calling in today because he wants to know the blueprint for him to get back into school. Stephen, welcome to the Paula Price Show. Hey, good morning. Good morning. 
Glad to hear your voice. How's it going? I'm doing well. Good, good. So tell me, what's on your mind? Well, I received so distinct prophetic words last year about getting back into school and how it's important for my next phase in life. And I have gone through the process of filling out a FAFSA and reapplying where I previously went. I'm just going to make sure that is the mind of God or if I need to pursue education somewhere else. Got it. So is there an open door for you there? Like, um, I would have to go through some financial obligations and I'm not interested in trying to get a student loan. Okay. That is an option. Yeah, but I can't blame you for that. Here's what I'm thinking. Um, my question, my next question to you would be, what is it that God told you he called you to do uh, professionally? Um, I know I'm to be used in the marketplace. I also understand that I need to complete I can't hear. I, I, my, I can't hear. Say it again. I know I'm called to the marketplace, so I believe it's business. Okay. So if it's business, then what kind of a degree program would uh, prepare you for the business you feel God called you to? Well, there's one available at my previous college, Warner Pacific College, adult degree program, where I can complete my bachelor's in business and begin kind of doing my own thing with it. Okay, so then, now listen to what you said. You said, I'm not interested in a loan. I have financial obligations and things that I need to work out. What I will do for you is I will actually pray that God gives you favor with the right advisor. Okay. And if, if this is the will and timing of God for you, and I'm saying it because if it is, then God's going to work it out. One thing God will do is not let his word return void. Amen. Okay. So if he gave you this word, then it is the word of the Lord to you, then God already has situations, people, and place to fulfill the word. So let me ask you, um, is it possible for you to take it? Uh, well, I guess you need to be on speaker. Do you have to be on speaker? Or are you driving? No, I'm not on speaker. I'm okay. using headphones. But I can take oh, them out. Oh, got it. Okay, because you, you, you're just breaking up, and I don't want to miss what you're saying. All right, Father God, thank you in the name of Jesus for your word that you've given us, that we that we will walk in the right path. I thank you, Lord, that you will reinforce your word, that you will correct it if it needs correcting, and that you yourself will perform your word. According to Isaiah's words in Isaiah 55, you watch over your words. You don't let them uh, return to you void. So I'm asking, Lord, if this is your word for this man at this time, that I'm thanking you, Father, for ordering his steps, opening up opportunities, and, 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 Lord, putting your agents on this assignment, whether it be counselors, advisors, whatever, that you put your agents on assignment so that these obstacles that are standing in the way of your word coming to pass are resolved so that he can follow your, your lead and he can enroll in school and become what you need. In Jesus' name, I praise you. Amen and amen. Amen, amen. 
God bless. Keep us posted. We'd love to know. Absolutely. I will do, Chief. Okay. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Prophet Ashley. All right. We have next on the line Deborah from Florida. We have two Debras today. This one is from Florida. And she is calling for prayer for direction and focus in a new career. Deborah from Florida, welcome to the Paul Price Show. Hello, Dr. Ashley and Dr. Price. How are you, Deborah? Glad to hear your voice today. How are things going in Florida? Uh, things are going great down here, Apostle Price. I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. So talk to me. What is it that you want? What's concerning you? I um, it's, I'm moving forward in a new career because I'm becoming an attorney and ultimately a judge. So I just need direction. I need prayer just to sustain me because what I see in the legal field, I don't like too much because it's more about people than Jesus Christ because we're not bring, especially for those who say they are Christians. So I just need prayer that I keep my focus and I remain sustained in Christ as I become what he calls me to be. Okay, so let's start, but let's walk with this. These are very good points that you brought out. The first thing I want you to ask you is, did you go to a Christian law school? Um, I The law schools that are in Florida, they're not Christian law schools. Good. So, because I will they're be going wonderful. to school. So let me yes, just ma'am. say this. You're becoming an attorney. I want you to open up, and I want you to stop thinking you went to law school for church. You okay. went to law school for kingdom. And you went to law school for the sovereignty of Jesus Christ and the wisdom of God. You went there to take care of his kingdom matters, not just his church matters. So that's number one I want to tell you right now. Number two, you did not go to a Christian law school and you didn't get become an attorney in canon law. So you went to school for civil law. So you have to realize civil means everything. Okay. The issue is not whether or not you appreciate or approve of what they're doing or how it's going. It's whether or not you can let your light shine in that environment and bring about the justice that those that God trusts you with um, that need. So it's not about Amen. that. You, I mean, the, law, the legal system is certainly, especially as it has devolved today, is not in it for Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus Christ is putting us in it. Right. Amen. So you're going to have to become very strategic, very keen, and a little bit clever in what you're doing. Because if this is what you're called to do, then you need to not go there with your church mentality. I need you to just leave church off the table right now. If your law degree is not in canon law, then I'm going to need you to go ahead on and, and focus on being good in civil law and looking for opportunities where you can bring God's advantage. Because if you don't, Deborah, what's going to happen is that you're going to be so eager to push Christ and so eager to protect Christ, et cetera, that you are going to fall into, uh, um, you're going to have uh, judgment blind spots, and you're going to be unjust, unjust. Because a lot of saints are unjust. They think they're helping Christ, but they're not. Because truth right. is truth, righteousness is righteousness, Good, you know, law is law. And so I need yeah. you to let all of that go. Just let, if you're going to be a judge, let all of that go, and I need you to be good at your job. Just be good at what you do. Know what you're doing. What we have and what we bring to our professions, those of us who are Christians saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, what we have is the Christ edge. But I want you to understand that I've seen a lot of things that Christians judge wrong, and they judge it on the merits of church and a sermon. You're not going there on a church and a sermon. You're going there for the, for the truth of God to come out and for the justice of people in general, all people in general, 
to be, uh, you know, to 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 uh, to be felt and experienced. These people need that. The folks don't have to be saved to go. Have to go to court. They don't have to be saved to need a lawyer. If you get an opportunity, you can make sure your office, your private practice reflects what you believe without being excessive. But the bottom line is. In order to make real change, you've got to get in those seats of power, and you will never get in seats of power if you're going to try to do it through the church or the pulpit and the sermons. It's not going to happen. Right. Understood. Does that help you? Yes, ma'am, it does. It really does. All right. Now I want to give you one last piece of counsel that the Holy Spirit wants you to hear, and that means you ha- if you're going to be a judge, you can't prejudge. You're going to have to step into the place of objectivity and allow the Lord to lead you and guide you into all truth. Amen. And you're not going to have all of those conversations because you know how we do. We go to Christmas. It's not church. Please do not do church. It's not church. I'll, church on Sunday. Church on Wednesday. Church is good. I love church. You know me. I'm. I'm. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm God's. But truthfully, when I get in my professional stuff, I ain't, I'm not thinking yes. like that at all. I'm thinking about winning. And see, that's the last right. piece I want to tell you. You better get a winning attitude. And if you're going to go yes. in there with a church thing, you you cannot go in there with a church club and try to have a winning attitude. You're going to have to understand it. what it is to win and be your best. Yes, and I say that to all of you out there. Some of you all, you get Jesus out before he even gets in. He's, he's trying to get in the door, and you have already got him out because of some religious nonsense and rhetorics and sermonizing and things that have no bearing on what he needs you to do as the sovereign of creation. So, there are things that he might say, you know what, Deborah, I'm going to need you to do this as, you know, and he's going to speak to you from, as a savior. But most of what you're going to do is going to be about his sovereignty and not about bossing people around and bullying people, but being strategic, being astute, being insightful. Okay? Yes, ma'am. Does that help you? Yes, Apostle. Don't you feel really free? Mm-hmm. You do feel free, don't you feel free now? You're like, yes, see, because you talk, you chose, yeah, because you, because you're trying to take, you're trying to take the lamb into the judicial system, and the lamb doesn't belong there. The lion does. All right, got you. All right, so we done. Hallelujah! I bet your school was hard for you because you were, you, you couldn't see this side of God. I pray that you can now, and as you go back and, and revisit some things and rethink some of these things, that you realize that there's a place to represent the lion, and there's place to represent the lamb. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah! So when you go to court, you take the lion. I will. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to minister this counsel and wisdom to your people. Lord, I thank you for continuing to take care of them and continuing to give us the grace to know what to do when in various situations and even various fields. So sometimes we, get, we become very astute in a situation and still have no cognizance of what is required in a field or industry or profession. I thank you, Lord, that this woman is blessed when she goes in. I thank you that you finished this counsel, continue to talk to her, and that you finish this council so that she understands what she's called to do and who you are in the world. Sometimes, God, we confuse it. We think that you are the God in church and not the world. And so I thank you for it all, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you, Apostle. You're very welcome. God bless. God bless you, too. <laughs> Prophet Ashley. Yes, Dr. Price. Excellent. (laughs) Excuse me. 
Excellent counsel. And your next caller is Deborah, another Deborah, but she's calling from Alabama. And Deborah oh. would like to know, she wants to say hello, and to, uh, for you to pray for the fulfillment of purpose and destiny in her life. Deborah from Alabama, welcome to the Qualified Show. Hello, hello, hello. It's great to hear both of you all today. It's been some time yeah. since I've had an opportunity to listen. Wow, I'm glad to uh, hear you, Deborah. I pray all is going well for you in Alabama. Let's talk about purpose and destiny. I'm going to ask you a very um, curious question. What do you think, if, let's say you're sitting in my seat right now, what do you think fulfilling purpose and destiny involves? I think fulfilling purpose and destiny is to do what I've been placed or any other person has been placed in the earth to do in the grand scheme of God's mind, his thing. Okay. So then question number two, how does one discover the grand scheme of God's mind? By continually speaking his face. And how does one do that? Uh, searching the scripture and spending seasons of quietness and prayer with him. And how does one know what they hear is correct? I believe that the, the spirit of the Lord and the word of God agree. And if it does not stay within the confines of agreeing, you just wait and continue to visit it. Okay, one last question, and then I'm going to tell you why I took you this route. And how does one re- uh, receive from God the place that they are supposed to be in? You got me stumped with that question. I know. I know. And here's why I took you this way, my beloved. You sound like you are an extraordinarily faithful Christian, that you yes, love you. God, you love his word, and you've been there a long time. And you sound like one who listens to tapes all the time or listens to recordings and reads your Bible. You go to church, you attend church, whatever sessions and trainings they have for the Bible, you do that. And that is great. But in your your whole scheme of more than acceptable practices of your Christianity, you don't expect anything that you're learning to happen in this world. Mm. You expect it to make you feel good. You expect it to answer some prayer closet questions. You expect it to help your devotions. But you don't expect it, really, and you don't expect it because that's how you were trained, not because you're not not interested. You have been trained to not think that there is a physical outworking and a literal outwalking of everything God says in your prayer closet. You don't expect that. You expect that if God said it, it's on him. So, when you say, I want to know my purpose, you want to go in your prayer closet and not to a professional service. I want to know my place in God. You want to go to your, your Bible and your devotions and not a personnel agency. Because in your mind, God's callings are totally alienated from world or secular answers, solutions, or even employment. Now, this is not you. This is standard Christianity, so don't, don't even think it's just you, okay? This is classic for most Christians. 
I'm praying. And if you're an intercessor, which you sound like it, you feel like while you're praying, God ought to be racing and running and doing it. Now, you don't know this. These are all subconscious thoughts in your mind, and they they were shaped and molded by the classic Christian's outlook. It's on God. You know, we, have, we run on these. Listen to me, Deborah. We run on these. Just put it on the altar and leave it there. Well, just lay it at the feet of the king and leave it there. Well, just roll it on over to Jesus. Do you know what all of those kinds of, of statements do to your psyche? They take you off any physical hook for anything you need God to do in the material world or any, you just don't have it. So what I would like to say to you is the first thing I'd like to tell you to do is when this call is over, sign up for uh, one of our assessments. That's going to give you at least a little start. That's the first thing. Very good at, 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 you know, uncovering purpose and things like that. So I would love for you to do that. The second thing I'd like you to do is to schedule an advisement so you can talk with one of these prophets and see if we can shift you from prayer closet purpose information to practical actions for purpose fulfilled. That's what needs to happen to you right now. You, you're full. Seriously, your spirit is full. Your mind is full of everything. But your soul has not been primed or even uh, constructed or, uh, what can I say? What am I saying? Encoded to go and tell your body what to do to act it out. But just There's a breakdown between what you're getting from God in the, in the prayer closet and what your soul must prime and program your body to do for it to happen. That's a big deal. And that's where you're stuck because you hear all of those sermons and they're great, but I need you to go to business meetings. I need you to go to association meetings so that you can get both sides of the spectrum, the sacred and the secular, the heavenly and earthly. Hallelujah. The eternal and the temporal that has to happen for you to succeed. You can believe God all day long and you can just say, well, you know what? I was just waiting on the Lord. I'm telling you, God is waiting on you. If you need training, then you do that at a personnel agency or something like that. We'll tell you what kind of training if you don't want to go and search the web. So my suggestion is going to be that the first step you make is to take this assessment, and the second one be that you get um, uh, that you uh, schedule a prophetic advisement so you have somebody to talk this out through and to help you make these these flips so you can switch this thing up and, and start moving from strictly spiritual intake, intake to physical and material output. Does that make sense to you? Yes, ma'am. I, um, actually, last when we last spoke, um, since then, I've enrolled in school and have had, Good. fortunately, uh, the opportunity to receive scholarships that pay for each term. And um, I applied to go into the nursing program and was declined on last application. And my point, my plan to when they take application again to apply for the registered nurse program again. Um, but really, I'm at a critical point, like you were saying, where I, I fully understand my heart is just saying there is so much more to experience than what. I have experienced, um, and I can't even put it into words, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. there is a voracious hunger for uh, greater beyond the expense of what I have seen and been a part of. 
But here's what I want to tell you. The first thing I'm going to do is pray for God to give you favor to connect with the person who will guide you into completing the application, getting past the interviews and tests and all of that so you can get into a program. Sometimes you just need some coaching. Sometimes you just need somebody who is a registered nurse to help you go through the program so that you can succeed. So I'm going to pray for God to bring that person across your path because that's what's needed. Because right now I understand, and I hope what I'm about to say to you, Deborah, will make sense, um, but I understand what it's like to be so spiritually filled, so chock full with all of that stuff from you and God word that you almost have neglected you and world work, you and people, you and public life. That is, that's an adjustment that has to happen. And that's why I want you to do the advisements because they're going to help you do it. So I, so really, I'm, we, I'm, I'm just listening and it's just like, I'm far, I'm so far removed from where I actually, where you're discerning that I, I am. <laughs> but myself. Well, well, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, you went to go after a program and you didn't make it. So that means that there's a disconnect between their their consciousness and yours. And, Otherwise, I, I, and I will interject that I've, at this point, um, I initially got my LPN nearly 20 years ago, and um, I've been a, a homemaker um, and just had this opportunity going back to school in the last year. And after the denial, I really, the question I've had in the air is, am I trying to go a direction that is not even the no, direction? I don't think that I'm so. I don't, no, but 20 years, I mean, you know, 20 years is a long time in the workplace. They change stuff in five months now. Yes, so that's a whole other thing. I, I, I know. I mean, we got students that are saying, well, I, but, but I will say this. God will always test your faithfulness, and he'll also test your drive, your passion, and your determination. If this is what you really feel God is, that rejection shouldn't bother you. You need to find out how to overturn it. That's what I mean about us as Christians. We can tend to be very passive. You know, just because somebody once says no, then go ahead and find somebody else and say yes. See, that's a different attitude, and that's what I'm trying to say. When I decide that I want to do something, we just keep going after that. Fortunately, i got a great team. We just keep going after it until we find somebody who will do it. And if not, well, we'll find plan B. But I don't believe that. I believe that God is saying you need to push, and you need to rev up your engines, rev up your energy, and push. And you need to, to understand I'm right on this thing. There are times that I might say, well, but I'm right on this. You're going at this thing, and until somebody coaches you, you don't know where, what you are delivering to the world or what people are seeing and picking up. You don't know that. And so these yeah. people just said no, a computer spit it out. But you need to know why they said no. Like, they, I know people who would have called back and said, I just need to know why I was declined, you know? And so, but most Christians will say, go back to God, Lord, I thought you said, well, Lord, I don't know what to do. See, that's what I'm trying to break in you. Yes, ma'am. I found out from talking to someone that it was two thieves from um, 20 years ago at another university that I'd gone to. I've since taken microbiology, and that um, gave me five extra points. Um, that's necessary towards the um, scoring that they use when they do applications. And those two C's uh, were five that took away five points. 
And I'm currently taking a yes, ma'am. Well, go fix that. The point that I'm saying is go fix it. Sometimes we are we can be so spiritually minded we forget our earthly good and our earthly resources and our earthly uh, capacity. So I need you to go fix it. That's what I'm going to say to you. Go fix it and press. If you think it's God, then do it. Stop thinking just because it's hard it's not God because y'all had a setback. Are you kidding? If I stopped on setbacks, you and I wouldn't be talking today because yes, pretty much the last 25, 28 years of my life have appeared appeared to be setbacks. So I'm telling yes. you, go and fight for it. The Holy Ghost is saying, go fight for it. Just go I make it happen. It. If you I believe God, go make it happen. That's all. I never, you know, just because something is difficult doesn't mean that you don't have to work to make it happen. If you know it's God, so go do it. I'm going to pray because, you know, I don't know what time it is right now. I got to see what my phone's just saying. I got three different, you know, three different um, times here. But I want to pray. But go do it. And just make it happen. And every time you go, God, give me strength. Okay, God, give me grace. Okay, God, I need you to open my eyes. Show me what I'm not seeing. Tell me what I'm not hearing. God, lift the veil. You know, we our ears are, are circumcised until God does it. And that circumcision is not just one thing. It's in everything. Every time until your yeah. brain uh, it gets lit up with it, you're not going to hear the, what they're saying, the way they're saying it. You're not going to see, etc. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I give you all the praise and all the glory. And, Lord, all the honor. You are a great God. You are a great God, Lord Jesus. You are an amazing God. And we bless you for it, Savior. And so I'm asking, God, that the the, the work that you've begun in Deborah, that you complete it until the day of her success. And, God, I thank you that as you do, you will cause to cross her path all of the people that you've ordained and appointed to get her ready, to get her through the door, to get her through the process. I thank you, Lord, that she doesn't miss a cue, doesn't miss an opportunity or a window. But while she's doing all of that, God, I thank you for working that great work in her soul, taking away the timidity, taking away the uncertainty, taking away the insecurity, and replacing them with your boldness, with your encouragement, your encouragement and your resolve. And I thank you, Lord, that she will receive the courage today to not look at the things that are seen, but to pursue the unseen, which you have already prophesied and decreed for her. And we thank you for the harvest. We thank you for the breakthrough. And, God, we thank you for the manifestation of your word from heaven to earth in flesh. And we bless you for it all, Father, in Jesus' omnipotent name. Amen, amen, and amen. Let it be so. Amen. 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 All right, keep Amen. us posted. Yes, ma'am. All right, Prophet Ashley. Yes, Dr. Price. We have another caller? No, we are out of time. Are we? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, all right. I pray that everyone was edified by what we shared. Make sure that you go back. And listen to this again and again so that you can get all that God wants you to get out of it. Also, share it. Just tell everybody. There's this whole good professional council. This is this also moving from devotion to profession and from prayer to, you know, performance and profitability. So you need to do that. While we're talking about prayer, don't forget, in a few days, unless I'm off, in a few days, you'll be able to sign up for our praying governmental prayers class on uh, Price University. Don't miss that moment, especially if you've been waiting for a breakthrough. Sometimes it's just a matter of maybe getting another prayer tactic. You're going to love the course. It's a great course. And so make sure you go there and uh, 
go to my website, drpaulaaprice.com, and sign up for this course. It is amazing. God bless you. See you Sunday for Scripture Organic, Culture and Modified Christianity at the Congregation of the Mighty. Thank you for tuning in to the Paula Price Show. Become a financial supporter today by...